Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Although you may have found us on any of your favorite listening apps, make sure you download the Himalaya app and follow us there to stay informed of when new episodes air, and we will be offering special episodes and goodies on the Himalaya app only, and it's free, and it can be accessed from anywhere in the world, and it will allow you to curate your own favorite playlist. Now, let's start the show. This podcast is brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. We all look forward to the time when we are able to resume welcoming fellow cyclists into our homes and shipping bikes for travel. In the meantime, bikeflights.com can help you ship your spare bikes, trainers, wheels, and gear to friends or family members so they can commute and exercise too while they are physical distancing. So stay home and arrange a pickup directly from your house. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Bike Life is back with Jessica Levine today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a great honor. I loved our first conversation when we were planning for this show because you have such passion and energy around your experiences. And I feel like it might be hard for us to contain this in 30 minutes, but we're going to do our best. <laughs> sure. So let's start by you explaining to our, you know, our listeners a little bit more about you. Well, I'll, I'll start by, I know you're coming from Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you have done some really fun, amazing tours and have lots of great stories to share. Great. Um, yeah, I uh, primarily consider myself an environmental and place-based educator here in Seattle. I teach middle school science, um, and that gives me the luxury of summers off to do some adventuring. And uh, I'm a daily bike commuter. I'm riding my bike about six miles to my classroom every day. And when a friend invited me to bike across Canada with her, which was her dream, uh, I said, why not? Uh, I went along for the ride. And, and so, when was that? Uh, 2017. Uh, okay. We left Seattle and left our homes and uh, biked right from our homes to the Victoria Clipper and then started at mile zero in Victoria and then rode uh, east from there. Uh, all the way. I went to Halifax and then ran out of time. And then she went on to St. John's, Newfoundland. That is amazing. So how long was that trip to start like in total? Sure. For me, it took 71 days and Irina mm -hmm. rode all the way uh, for another 13. So she went 84. Wow. Wonderful. So was that your first long tour? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, so it must have been a spectacular learning transformational journey. It was. It was uh, amazing how how much some mountaineering skills um, came into play in terms of expedition behavior. You know, you just have to get up, pack your stuff, get on the bike and keep riding. And you have to get up and pack your stuff and get on the bike and keep riding. And you have to get up and pack your stuff and you have to get on the bike and keep riding every day. Um, and uh, that routine was not unfamiliar to me for other expeditions and adventure travel. Um, but the first mm -hmm. time I'd done it on my bike. Yeah. So what was, did you train prior to for longer riding days? Um, a little bit. 
uh, and then maybe not enough. Um, Irina and I were certainly different types of riders, um, which came to a crux uh, in our trip that I can tell you a little bit about in this story. Um, and so I was really concerned that I wasn't going to be able to keep up. Um, and so I rode uh, uh, a lot, trained a lot. We did a um, shakedown trip actually in early June for um, bike overnight weekend. And um, we went up and over um, Washington Pass here in Washington. So 60 miles in each direction um, and uh, with an overnight but fully loaded, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And, yeah. And then did some other riding. Um, but on a long trip like that, just riding is uh, training. But we crossed the Rocky Mountains in the first 11 days. So that's tough work. <laughs> yeah, that is tough work. So tell us like in that first week of riding, um, what what were your typical days like? like? I mean, how many miles did you get in per day? Like what was your rest periods like? And what did you eat? I want to know what you ate. Um, we were really shooting for riding about 100 kilometers a day. So it's just about 60 miles. And we held to that pretty much. Uh, some days we pushed over that just given where the campground was or the destination. Um, the summer of 2017 was really, really warm. It was the summer that most of British Columbia was on fire. And while we were already out of British Columbia by the time BC was ablaze, um, heat management was very, very real to us in the first 15 days. And so we were up very early, um, kind of riding at dawn. Uh, like that's, you know, up at four, riding by 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, because it's still cooler outside. Yeah, and just yeah. trying to beat the heat, taking naps in the middle of the day. Um, and we were eating, uh, at least in the beginning part, wherever we could, um, and then certainly when we got to uh, Alberta, we had plenty of Tim Hortons, uh, which is sort of the uh, equivalent of, well, far better than McDonald's. I don't even want to call them equivalent, but uh, a Canadian it's like a, staple. It's like, a, it's like a Dunkin' Donuts. That's a better, yeah. But, but, it, but it has like better food. It's not just donuts and coffee. It has food. And because I spent 14 years in Toronto, I'm... I actually missed Tim Hortons coffee. Like, there's a thing. Anyway, it's well, special. I'm surprised me. I'm not. A, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I definitely loaded up on like the bagels and the eggs and mm. lots of cookies away. And so we'd have big stacks of food with us every morning, um, kind of chatting with the retired folks in every Tim Hortons. There was a crew of retired men just kind of gathering and mm. chatting, which was part of our story. And then, you know, we told them about our, you know, our journey, which was a lot of fun. Very cool. And did you guys know about warm showers to start or did that come like into the into play throughout your journey? Sure. We knew about warm showers. Some uh, A friend of ours, I think, who had cycled across the United States had recommended it to us. Um, they had their first blog 10, 15 years ago on Crazy Guy on a Bike um, and, you know, had us over for dinner. Um, they're much older. They're in, uh, in their 70s themselves now and told us about warm showers. I think it was them. And so when we were doing some route planning with a big Excel spreadsheet, we looked at mileage and looked at warm shower maps and tried to look at where people were um, and where we could stay with them. And we had contacted a couple of people early on, um, but then found campgrounds instead or they weren't home. Uh, and our first warm shower hosts were in Alberta. Mm. Yeah. I, I, one thing that does come up is a lot of people don't want too much notice because they don't know. And, and also you don't know as a, as a cyclist, you don't know exactly where you're going to be, when you're going to be. You think you know, but you don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. So it can, could, it can create some situations where you need last minute requests. And depending on where you're at, if there's not a lot of hosts, 
you're, you know, you just have to make decisions on the fly. It's actually interesting that you say that we have a, a long-term board member. His name is Ken. And so, Hey Ken, if you're listening, we'll all say, Hey Ken. He's, hey Ken. Thanks. He's, he's been amazing. Um, part of this organization for a really long time and his insight um, and his value to this organization has been massive. And he just finished his term on the board. So he's moved on to just being a host and a, a cyclist again. But, you know, we talk about warm showers being um, like a, an extra added benefit of touring. You know, we, we never really pictured that people are only going to be able to rely on home, you know, warm showers hosts on a trip, although it's possible and some people do, but that, you know, our expectation is that it is a combination of ways that people camp and, you know, maybe find um, Airbnbs or use other organizations to find places to stay. And in some cases, we know that depending on where you go, if there's not a, a lot of available hosts, um, you might have to look at other options. Yeah, for sure. We were mostly camping. Um, so our warm yeah. shower hosts were really in cities, um, mm. most of the way where camping just didn't seem to be an option. Or we wanted some local lore or flavor to the city yeah. that we were in. I remember actually um, pulling up in Montreal uh, to a warm shower host. And um, it was a young guy who'd met us uh, without a French accent. And we were quite surprised. Uh, mm. He was the son of. Um, American researchers, uh, university professors um, that had been there. And um, he himself, when he was like 17, had biked from Portland to Columbia or, you know, uh, just all the way down um, the North and South America and was paying it forward while his parents were off away for the mm -hmm. summer. And he was must have been no more than 22 years old, which surprised wow. Irina tremendously in the graciousness of this kid um, who made us like a rhubarb crisp and, you know, laid out his towels. And he's like, my, my mom likes the, the washcloth. So I, I left them out for you. And, you know, we were just stunned um, and uh, joyful with his hospitality. He also left us some cruiser bikes to kind of visit around the city. And, and those were just added touches that we could have never expected um, you know, staying in a hotel, for example, but really wanted the, the local lore um, mm -hmm. of, of towns yeah. and cities. So... Yeah, I love it that you're calling it local lore or flavor. It's not just, you know, that's because that's more than just culture or community, right? That is, um, that's like meeting people. That's about the people part. Yeah. And just also when you're in another country and Canada being so similar and so close and Seattle and Vancouver are such similar cities. Um, but I stayed with a, a gracious and generous warm shower family in Ottawa um, who kind of helped me really get my mojo back. And one thing I remember about being in their kitchen for an extended period of time, I was there for about four or five days, um, just resting and kind of getting in my groove again. But, you know, they, they had milk in bags, you know, for example, yeah. right? So that's yeah. a very Canadian and very Eastern Canadian thing. But like, if I had stayed anywhere else, I would not have seen bagged milk. You know, it's like I small. Know. But that it's sticks a, out for I mean, me. <laughs> let's just let's just talk about how genius bagged milk is, by the way. And for those of you that don't know, they're like they're like liter bags, and they go in an actual plastic milk holder, and you put the bag in, and you clip the end off, and it gives you a handle to still pour it. So it's not like you have this like flippy floppy bag. No, it's kind or, of smart, or actually, or beautiful ceramics. Like yeah. then, then then people have these like you know as if we would have like a coffee. You can't, I don't know. It's just it was just really neat to see people's yeah you know home and housewares. So. So that was a 71 day trip for you. Mm -hmm. um, and you came back and then went back to another school year. Mm -hmm. And then what? 
Um, I really had missed um, dirt and wildflowers, as I said. Mm. Um, so 71 days on the tarmac. Um, yeah, I, I found longing for just hiking um, and being in the woods. Um, so the summer of 2018, I hiked the Wonderland Trail, which is a uh, almost a hundred mile loop around the um, base of Mount Rainier. Mm, and that was how many days? How long did you? Do uh, that? I was uh, on the trail for fourteen. Wonderful. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So yeah. I have the luxury of sort of being able to alternate back and forth. And so this summer, yeah. this summer I have a uh, um, uh, planned trip to cycle in Europe, uh, and still hoping that goes through. I've been mm. offered a base camp in Luxembourg and designed sort of a spoken hub trip to ride about. 500 kilometers in each of the cardinal directions heading into Amsterdam and Paris and Zurich and then uh, into Germany and kind of returning back to this base by train. So mm, That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I hope it can still go forward. <laughs> well, the truth is, is that it will go forward sometime. Sure. Right? I mean, you know, for you, you have these pockets of time available when yeah. you're not, uh, when you're not working. Um, but I, I, I do believe travel will resume at some point and, you know, depending on when anybody's listening to the show, this is May of 2020. So we are still experiencing, um, you know, some shutdowns. There are a lot of countries that are still not promoting any type of touring or not staying at home. Basically people are still being recommended to stay at home, but we can start to see some things lifted. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing businesses resume, at least in North America. We're seeing other parts of the world, like in New Zealand, where they've gone from level four to level three. I think that I got that correct. So any New Zealanders, if you're listening and I got that wrong, my apologies. But I know that they've loosened the restrictions slightly. Um, so I think that we'll see some of that. But in the meantime, it's a good time to plan, right? If you, depending on when you, you know, when you plan to go, if you don't know when it'll be, it's a good time to do a little extra research, a little extra right. planning and maybe do day trips within your own local area. I mean, we can all still do 60 miles in a day where we live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we have the great luxury in the Seattle area to do a lot of ferry assist. Uh, so we do a lot of sort of bike onto the ferry. You don't need to make reservations and then you can get access to many islands um, and other parts of uh, Puget Sound just by getting on a ferry with your bike. So, And so how far would that be for you to go from your home to the ferry? Um, I think I can look at the ferry schedule, grab my bags and um, be out of here in like 20 minutes and then be 25 minutes down to the ferry um, and catch it. And then, um, so yeah, I'm about a mile and a half from the ferry terminal, actually, which oh, made, makes me an interesting um, warm shower host. Uh, I've hosted um, a couple of folks who are beginning their um, Seattle to San Francisco or down the coast journeys. And they take the ferry from here to get out to the Olympic Peninsula. Mm. So did you start hosting after you toured? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you must have really felt amazing being able to provide the same type of experience that you received. Like, oh, it's, what so, a, it's so cool. Yeah, I can, I could totally, I know people can't see you, but I could see you and, um, I can see the joy in your face. Yeah. I think it's just that like being able to open your door is sort of a way of opening your heart and it makes every, I mean, cycling alone um, is a very vulnerable mode of transportation. Um, you're out there in the elements, you're under your own power. So then when you have this opportunity to, you know, be vulnerable and be who you are and show up at somebody's door and then the host opens the door, it's like the host is opening themselves up. So there's, you have this mutual vulnerability and 
that's just this magical space of of humanity where like everybody is on the same page. Um, uh, I hosted someone from New York who's actually originally Canadian. So he was beginning his first ever trip and he flew to Seattle with his bike in a box and put it together in my basement, you know, and I was going through maps and handing him things and now wait, is this this the gentleman that you met in Canada? Like one of the hosts that you stayed at? No, it was not reciprocal, but it felt it because the moment when he showed, so he was texting me late in the evening. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, how people get in touch. I mean, it's nice to have those cell phone numbers. I'm not super phone user and and do like to plan ahead. But when um, I had a need in uh, on a flight to contact somebody with a cell phone number, I was really grateful. And then as my flight was delayed and delayed, I kept texting them. You know, and, and I rolled into their place in Ottawa super late at night and they had the garage door rolled open for me. And I just came in by taxi with my bike in a box and, you know, was there. And so, so let's I literally so let's got to do, story. This, do the same exact thing. same thing, right? For somebody else. That's, exactly. that's what it was. And, yeah. and I think, yeah, that's what it was. And so here's this guy from New York flying out to Seattle. His flight is delayed and delayed and delayed. And I just get, get these, you know, updates and texts about like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, and I'm this school teacher, you know, and I go to bed at like 10 and, uh, you know, so I left him a sticky note on the front door. I was like, come on in, got your message, like hang out. I came down to, you know, see him in and, you know, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, this is exactly what happened to me. Like, it's mm-hmm. so fine. Um, you know, and I'd been in a situation there where like people just opened their doors and opened their homes. You know, we, Irina and I had gone to a warm shower host in Winnipeg. And they fed us dinner and they're like, we got to go. We're taking, you know, some kids rock climbing. We had just, they had just been sponsoring a immigrant family and left their home, you know, to us, like within meeting them for five minutes. And then we're gone for hours. And I think that was just a big shock, but also just that great, like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause where are we going to go? Like, we can't take anything with us. Like we're on our bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just knowing how it felt to be in that space meant it just as easy for me to, you know, go to work in the morning and leave somebody in my home to rest and to sleep. Um, and that's for sure what happened with a, um, a Mexican cyclist who had come from Mexico City all the way to Vancouver. And he was like, you know, 600 kilometers away from his destination and so exhausted. He just slept oh. and slept and slept at my house, you know? I was like, I know, I've been there. Like, I here, have food. Here, just keep eating. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, because, um, yeah, that reciprocity is true. Um, and a great thing about warm showers. Mm. Now, let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. 
Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. I love so much that you had that experience of being able to give back to somebody the exact same way somebody did to like, I mean, exactly the same way. Yeah. Like that synchronicity is, that's a pretty spectacular experience. Yeah. You must have felt, um, you know, some 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 deep bonding with the experience itself, right? Not with the exact individual person, because there's lots of people that we can have that experience with, but knowing that the journey you've gotten to participate in is is so special. Yeah. I mean, you know, the bicycle, it goes around, but literally what goes around comes back around. So that was cool. This is true, my friend. This yeah. is very true. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about what some of the challenges were for you. What were some of the hardest things that you faced? Um, initially, I think it was just um, like a personal challenge in trying to keep up with my trip partner. Um, and I sort of jumped to the end of it. And that is you can be on a journey with somebody else and still be on your own journey. Um, in fact, it became a lot easier when I didn't see her mm. in the horizon because then I was just riding for myself um, rather than riding to catch up with her. Um, so we were different types of riders for sure. And um, it was my Ottawa warm shower host who articulated it very well for me. And they said, oh, she loves to ride and you love to travel by bike. And there was a real eye-opener for me because... Then I was like, oh, okay. I love this for what this is for me. And she was a superior rider. And so we took a break from each other um, across uh, the northern part of uh, Lake Superior where the conditions were really challenging. And I was superiorly fatigued and took a break. Um, and so mm-hmm. then I took that flight to Ottawa um, and showed up at those folks home really late uh, and uh, and then continued and then I rode out of Ottawa um, and uh, met her in Montreal and we rode all the way to Halifax which was another 21 days you know of a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a long way of saying that what was challenging was just other people's expectations or my own expectations and once I let them go um, it became the most joyful ride mm, I feel you yeah it's hard to know what lies ahead really um, uh, you know, but once I get to see that it's okay that you don't always know what lies ahead, that you can just be in that moment and keep pedaling, um, it was a really great experience. And it sounds like you took some pressure off of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think that the um, being comfortable with an unexpected outcome is a big part of this journey. And that's and a lot of different things in life, sure. which I think this just really brings that point home. But I believe you have also probably carried this through into your life. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, here we are in an experience right now, as as you've already said, we're in the middle of this sort of lockdown and stay-at-home order, um, and I can still ride my bicycle. Um, but we're in this space of real unease and not knowing when it's going to end. Um and every day I've come to recognize it's the same thing I did on my bike trip. Like I have to get up, I have to have routine, I have to keep moving forward, I have to keep moving east. And at some point there will be an end. And at some point, you know, there will be joy and reflection going back on it. But the whole, you just keep moving, just keep pedaling uh, is an incredible mantra for, you know, 
obviously balance on a bicycle, but it's been very helpful for me. Mm, yeah. Since. Yeah, totally. And so what other ways has this changed, has this experience in these longer journeys, in, especially in solitude, how, what other transformations have you felt have resulted because of that? Um, I've sort of committed to, to writing more. I think there's a lot of reflection that happens in the saddle. Um, on my daily bike commute, it's lesson planning or just admiring the birds. And, you know, it, six and a half miles later, I get to write some notes down. Um, but on longer tours, that longer reflection time lets things stir and bubble. And um, this has been a year I've been wanting to write those stories. Uh, incidentally, uh, um, the name of our bike trip or was called Spoken Stories. And uh, we had a blog and you can go back and follow it. It's spokenstories.com. And that's spoke and stories. Mm, okay. Um, and I'll, go ahead. I'll put the link in the show notes. Excellent. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you just have a lot of saddle time, a lot of thinking. Um, I found myself writing poems and then turning them into songs to turn them into mantras to keep going uphill. Um, you, you find, I think, you know, who you are as an individual in that saddle space. Um, and when the landscape is wide open, like the middle of Canada, um, you know, when you not only are looking out there, it really forces you to look in. So, mm. Yeah, And nature helps us do that too. Like oh. really just being about uh, amongst nature, the trees and the flowers and no people like the stillness opens a, like cracks us open. It literally cracks us open in a way that, it's difficult to describe unless you've experienced it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's, I think cycle, cycle touring um, does not have um, as much sort of nature or wilderness on the tarmac as backpacking or wilderness environments mm-hmm. do. Um, but nature is all around us. And so I find myself birding by bicycles, like watching the birds kind of fly with mm-hmm. me. Um you can see wind patterns moving in different directions. Um, you can see so much more when you're paying attention and kind of noticing it in that way. Yeah, and I think that depends on where you where you cycle because there are lots of trails that I've been on that are not tarmac driven, right? That are still uh, paved, but are embraced and you know trails that are encompassed in nature. So it also depends on where you bike in different parts of the world as. I'm sure lots of people that are listening yeah. will be like, oh, there's this place. You got to go this place. It is nature and my bike. And it's not, you know, city or, or like trail, like perfectly manicured trail, right? Like we're talking about stepping away from the manicured trails and into the wildness. And, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, you're not putting your feet on the ground, but you're breathing the air and the scent of the nature as you pass it by. Oh, it's like, yeah flooding your body. It's and just amazing. to be outside all the time is an amazing gift. Um, and I value that. Did you find that you needed an integration period when you came home? Um, I did not, um, nor did I have it. Um, I took a f- flight back um, and was in a meeting at 8 a.m. the next morning and on my, oh, my and, on, and on my bicycle the next day to teach the first day of school. Um, <laughs> so I didn't have that. But I think um, I heard from people and my trip partner, you know, when you have a long time off to travel by bicycle and do something and then go back, um, I think integrating is harder. Um, a school teacher sort of always has a summer 
and always has something new. So it's familiar, but new every September. Um, and that's, I think I kind of took advantage of that or jumped into it. So um, I remember talking with hosts in Winnipeg and they were like, oh, well, you know, you have to put your bike away in the winter. Well, not true in Seattle. We can ride year round. And so I continue my bike commute. And so my bike was never far from me in the tr transition zone uh, as a bike commuter. So I'm always riding. Yeah, there's two good things that you said in there. Number one is that you had you have the experience of transitioning in and out of work periods because of having the summer off. So that definitely made a difference. Yeah. And and, and I, th I think for some people, the, the time off of work and the more introspection time can be difficult to go back into I, peopling again, like yeah. full peopling again is not easy. Um, and there's some days that I think I could people less, even more. Sure. <laughs> if I've spent a full day or two in nature on the trail or riding, like coming back to, you know, I got, I got older teenagers. Let's just be real here. So, right. You know, sometimes you're a teacher, you're the same. Sometimes you just need a break from the people. Um, so I think that's probably harder for others that haven't made that transition. And then secondly, you are already on your bike every day because you, I mean, doing a commute on your bike is amazing. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah, I know several people locally who do that as well. And I always think that I should ride to more meetings on my bike. Um, and I just haven't mastered how to put the skirt in my bag if I need it. Oh, I, maybe I just need to stop wearing skirts. Or you can ride in your skirt. I do leggings and skirt a lot. Oh uh, my gosh, that's I roll amazing. Them, <laughs> roll them up. Uh, I'm kind of a trick. My leggings go on and then my rain pants. And then my sort of dress is rolled up underneath and my rain jacket and then I can get to a meeting and pull my rain pants down and then drop my skirt and my dress and then I'll be ready. I love it. It's good. I have been, t I have been told of, of recommendations similar to that. You should send us a picture. Have you taken a picture with your skirt and your leggings and your rain pants? Uh, no, but I can do that. Yes. I want a picture next time you do that. And I, I want to put it on our social media and say, Hey, Jessica's coming on our podcast soon. We talk about your riding to work every day. I feel like um, Mr. Rogers a bit, you know, when I get to my classroom yes. and I'm like, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yes. Oh, I've got my rain pants. And then, you know, here we go. And, you know, <laughs> and, welcome. And do people ask you about it a lot? How to bike to work? Like, do they, do they talk to you about the fact that you bike to work every day? Like your colleagues, your students? Yeah. My students do. Um, it's an important part. Uh, I had a classroom remodel a couple of years ago for some seismic retrofitting. And, um, you know, I put cog sets on every drawer pull and every door handle and on the light switches. Um, they know that cycling is important to me. Uh, it's a you know low carbon commute and a really great way to get around. And I feel like I can model that for my students um, by having the bicycle in my classroom and letting them know that that's mm -hmm. just part of my story. I love that so much. Not only are you, you know, talking about healthier ways of lifestyle, but you're talking about healthier things for our planet and you're teaching the next generation that there are alternatives to what they see and hear on TV. And so kudos to you, woman. Kudos to you. And, thank you. And thank you so much for joining us. It's great to hear about your story and your challenges and your your the impact that you've had, not only on touring, but on hosting as well. Thank you so much for having me. Warm Showers has been an important part of the journey, and uh, I hope to keep paying it forward. Oh, I love that. So do you have any social media handles that you would like to share? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, my bicycle's name is Olive, and so you can reach me at Olive My Bike, because um, I, I do love my bike. Uh, yes. And uh, that'll be on my Instagram. And then once again, spokeandstories.com is our bicycle website. 
Wonderful. I'll be happy to put those links in the show notes for you. So thank you again for joining me. And for those that are listening, we are glad that you spent some time with us and, you know, go ask questions for other people. If you need more information, go to our forums, go to our our social media, seek out Jessica or the other guests we've had on the show. If you would like to ask them questions because they're more than happy to share in their experience. And thank you for listening. And we will be back. This Bike Life podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. We all look forward to the time when we're able to resume welcoming fellow cyclists into our homes and shipping bikes for travel. In the meantime, while we're all staying home, why not do some decluttering and sell your extra bikes, trainers, wheels, and gear online? Then use BikeFlights.com to ship them to their new owners. So stay safe and arrange for pickup directly from your house. Find out more by visiting bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow us or wherever you are listening. Please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.